0: Hello my friends and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. I'm your host Eric and we are back with episode 15 of The Eagle. Ollie had not attempted to bring up James's panic attack and James had not either. But James noticed Ollie would come home after work to eat dinner with him, even if it meant he had to go back to corrections or stay up working on paperwork. James noticed he woke up a lot of nights with his jaw clenched, or his fist clenched, and Ollie already awake and rubbing his back or petting his hair, half-asleep mumbling. And James also noticed, after a week or so, that Wren started coming into his office and bringing him coffee cake and looking at him very pensively and sad. On the third such occasion, James continued reading his papers without glancing up at Wren standing in his office doorway. Stop acting like I am dying, you fucking weirdo. Wren feigned ignorance. Finish your papers. We are going on an expedition. James looked up and noticed Wren had not only brought a small satchel that smelled distinctly of fresh bread, but also had a fire axe and a map tucked under his arm. Well, come along. If we rush off looking busy and important, the office may very well manage itself. James walked next to Wren, who was still carrying his fire axe, through the main lobby of the office and to the other end of the hall. They both kept straight faces while some of the junior officials gawked, Most of the officials chuckled or ignored them entirely. They opted to walk to Wren's expedition site, partly because Wren was claustrophobic and did not like taking the rails, and moreover because James reminded Wren that the two of them on the rails with a fire axe would end with them being called back into the office. After an hour or so, Wren stopped in the middle of an obscure hallway and consulted his map. He walked slowly, running his fingers along and tapping against the wall until he apparently found what he was looking for. Hold this. He handed James the map. And stand back, perhaps. Wren looked to James. You are not seriously. Wren had started to swing the axe, but paused and looked at James. I have a permit. A permit for what, exactly? Hacking up old corridors? Wren rested the head of the axe on the ground and leaned slightly on the handle. A permit for scouting out a potential new training facility for delinquency interns, which would minimize the risk of injuries by allowing for practice training before job shadowing. Seeing as the current method is to lecture and then bring along and hope for the best, and there is a vacant area with... I get the point. So that is why you told Elliot we are breaking into an abandoned area. It is not breaking in if I have a permit. Which I do. Now kindly stand back. Wren took a few swings, grinning. The wall came away easily until there was a hole large enough for Wren to enter through. Wren fished a flashlight from his pocket and stepped into the darkness. James followed him, ducking slightly to be able to walk through the hole Wren had made, and nearly walked into Wren who had stopped and was shining his flashlight around. The layout should be nearly identical to the Belmont senior official housing Maury was living in, except mirrored, meaning a utility room and main power should be this way. Wren shined the flashlight to the right and headed that way. I am here because I am curious, and as you have put it, have read all the books in the library already. And you are here because... Wren stopped at a door and tried a few different keys in the lock before setting the axe down. Hold this. James piled the satchel and map in Wren's arms and shouldered the door open. It gave without much difficulty. Thank you kindly. I was not about to let you have all the fun. James leaned in the doorway while Wren studied the breaker. Why were you saying I was here? The overhead lights came on suddenly, and the filtration system began to whir to life. It smelled damp and musty all of a sudden, like dirt or the mushrooms Wren had brought James the week he was going to teach James how to cook before giving up. Because I enjoy your company. Wren studied James for a moment, but did not speak further. He walked past James out into the main area. James walked beside Wren and looked around. Besides all the obvious ill repair, the area was as familiar as any other part of the complex. It was far more outdated and decrepit than where Maury had been living. From Wren's research, it had been boarded off longer. James would normally have enjoyed poking around and looking through the dwellings, but he was uneasy waiting for the other shoe to drop. Wren finally spoke. Oliver expressed to me that you have been having a lot of nightmares lately, and that he was concerned about you. Honestly said, I am as well. There it was. Pretty sure we already had an intervention and I already stopped drinking, Wren. Why did Ollie tell you about it? Why do you think, James? He is very clearly starting to understand that he does not know everything about you and is under the impression that you may be more likely to open up to me. He is worried about you, James. You should feel warmth that he cares that deeply for you. Yes, I do feel warmth, maniac. Unless you have a time machine or other way for me to raise a whole lot of dead... I do not get why you are ruining what would be an otherwise fun afternoon. Is that what has been bothering you? Our earlier days? James stopped so suddenly he nearly stumbled. Do not act so shocked, Wren. That has always been bothering me. Do you think I had fun assassinating director Kelly for you? Do you think I enjoyed the time we had to kill the woman who walked in on us offing her goddamn husband? Are you really fucking surprised? Do you think I had a drinking problem because I like getting drunk? The only time I felt fucking normal for a little bit, Ren. Alcohol and sex and working out till I threw up. All I came along and things felt good and normal and fine for a while, but guess what? That fucking wore off too. I know we did what we had to do, but it has never sat well with me. How are you not bothered? Like you said, we do what we have to do. You're smart enough to know I did not want to talk about this, Ren. James began walking again. Tell me about the social and historical significance of the wallpaper. James tugged a stray bit that was hanging from the wall and handed it to Wren. Tell me about how you can date the carpet. Tell me why it was abandoned. Tell me why you want Ollie running corrections when you know he does not have it in it to be vicious. When you know he is not hiding any fangs. Tell me why you actually bothered to get a permit instead of just sneaking in here through the EP corridors and do not tell me claustrophobia. Tell me if you have Roger set to kill Dante when things quiet down. Tell me about the stashes of backpacks on the surface. Tell me about the last book you read. Tell me about your spiders. Tell me why Lexington saw them too, and tell me if they were really a metaphor or not. Tell me your bad jokes and your absurdly genius ideas. Tell me how you cope. Tell me when this is going to be over. Tell me what we are doing here, Wren. James realized he had brought his hands to his head and that he must look ridiculous. He threw his hands down. Just tell me something, Wren. James looked at Wren, who seemed concerned but never phased anything james i want things to change i want this to end too believe it or not james there have been fewer delinquency related deaths in the last 10 years than any 10-year period before it and far fewer in the last five years than any five year span before that i know the statistics run i've heard all the propaganda that is true though james we have been making a difference and i think we are reaching a point where we can make our difference in a more orthodox way That is why I want Oliver taking over corrections. I want someone candid, transparent, and humane handling our future prisoners. I would like eventually, in 10 or 15 years, to have him running delinquency. (laughs) What? When you take chairman, and I'm supposed to be your director of the Department of People? When you are ready to work as my advisor part-time, and can spend the rest of your time doing something that makes you happy. Red, you're saying that when I am 6 and 40, I can finally be out of the politics and rat race and do something that makes me happy. You're only asking me for 30 years of my life. I'm not asking you anymore, James. I can run things easier with you. I would much rather have you involved. But I do not need you as much as I want you to be alright. I cannot just get you out of delinquency with a snap of my fingers. But you do not have to do any more than the job description, if you cannot handle it. Perhaps it has affected you more than it has me, but it is not my cause alone. Unless I've greatly misunderstood, it is yours as well. I can handle it, Ren. I just would like to know if there will ever come a point in my life when I do not have to, because I do not believe you when you say you do not need me. I think you're pussyfooting around. I do need you, James. I need your humanity, I need your guidance, I need your help and support, but I need your friendship more than any of that. Ren, I'm going to be friends with you no matter what, so long as you... do not. What is going to happen to Ollie if Elliot does not get the nomination for chairman when Mar retires? You and I both know for a fact if Elliot does not get it, Sellers will, and if Sellers gets it, you and I are fucked, and so is Ollie My association now. Shit. Even though Ollie does not have a part in a goddamn thing, no one is going to believe that. You can handle yourself. Hell, you probably already have a plan for the both of us, if anything goes south. But how am I supposed to protect Ollie? First of all, James, Elliot will get the nomination. The board favors Elliot, and he has Mar's support. By the time Mar retires, he will have been on the board long enough that it will not be a question. What if it is a question, Wren? It will not be. It is all in order. We just have to wait. Congratulations, Psychic. James grabbed Wren by the shoulder. So, what is your plan for when it inevitably falls apart? It will not fall apart. But should there be an issue, there are systems in place to take care of us, Oliver included. James let go of Wren and looked up at the ceiling. Your plan is for us to fuck off to the surface. Wren dusted his shoulder off. I have my contingency plans. Merely one of the more desperate ones involves that as an option, but it is not going to be necessary. Now, James began walking again. Because if Sellers gets the nomination over Elliot, we will be dead before we know about it, let alone have time to act on it. Then it will truly have been all for nothing. I will orchestrate a coup d'etat before I let this have been for naught. Great. A fucking coup. Your plan B is a fucking coup. James held his hand over his eyes and laughed. God damn it, Ren. Ren started to speak, but James interrupted him. Do not you dare tell me to have faith in you, Wren. Wren, I do have faith in you. I just know your luck. James gestured out around himself. Now please tell me about the goddamn wallpaper. Wren walked with James. I truthfully do not have any knowledge of wallpaper, but I did find some interesting theories regarding why there are so many abandoned areas. I was really looking forward to the wallpaper lecture, but that will do. When the complex was originally built. James listened to Wren's full history of the complex as pieced together by Wren and enjoyed the scenery. For right now, things were going to be all right. He just had to keep his head up, and in five years, everything would be all right. James and Wren sat on the floor in the dining room of one of the abandoned dwellings. Wren had tucked a few books and other small items he had found in his satchel. They were eating the lunch of bread and cheese Wren had brought. Then mean to ask you something, Ren. Yes. Since we're having all the difficult conversations today, why is Mar suddenly endorsing you? I know he sides with Elliot, but I got the impression he never liked you. You would have to ask Marr. It is not as though I have not perpetually done exactly what he should be proud of me for doing. It seems as though he has perhaps finally decided to look past the fact he expected me to be a disappointment and accept I am not entirely. James frowned for a second. Right. I always forget he's some obscure relative of yours. Not that obscure. You want to talk about it? Not any more than you want to talk about your nightmares, James. Fair enough. James leaned back onto the floor and stared at the somewhat water-stained and moldy ceiling. You really think we're going to make a lasting change on this place, Ren? If I did not, I would not still be alive. His words hung in the air for a long time until they silently agreed it was time to move along and leave them to hang. Wren had despite James's insistence that he was fine and that it was unnecessary started pulling rank and kicking him out of the office on one of Ollie's days off each week to be on call. Things were going smoothly enough. James did not need to be there, but he still felt somewhat better when he was busy as many waking moments as possible. Besides, Wren had also taken upon himself to give Ollie some books. James sprawled across the sofa and Ollie sat on one of the bar stools he had pulled into the living room. James kept his arm over his face and tried to feign having fallen asleep. When it was clearly not working, he dropped his arm to the floor and looked at Ollie perched on the bar stool. You're a goddamn traitor, Oliver. Ollie rocked slightly on the stool. You're being childish, James. I am not being childish. Calling me a traitor for talking with Ren about your mental health is childish. I know you're not upset at me. I know you want to feel better. You're just being childish and stubborn. Ollie flipped through the book he was holding. I still think you'd be better off with an actually qualified therapist, but Ren insists that it would be better to avoid having you committed if at all possible. Having me committed? Wren is bluffing. He will not have you committed. Ren's only bluff is bluffing. His only subtlety is he lacks all subtlety. People look around and think, ah, there's a man who is so unsettled; he must be a brilliant comedian, how charming. James sat up on the sofa. Fine, I will talk, just stop consulting that goddamn book and trying to hypnotize me. He patted the spot next to him. And stop sitting over there like it is an interrogation. Ollie came and sat by James on the sofa. James snatched the book from him and flung it across the room. Ollie looked at him for a moment. I'm willing to let that go if you admit how childish that was. Fine. It is childish. I am just worried about you, James. James had already tried to get out of talking by acting fine. He had already tried to brush it off as a bad day, or a remnant of Mori, or indigestion, or needing a lay, or spontaneous demonic possession. But Ollie and Red had not bought any of it, and what was worse, they had not laughed at it. They had not so much as cracked a smile. They both had looked at James with their different variations of concern, and James hated the thought, but pity. I love you no matter what, James. Nothing you say is going to change that. I just want you to be happy. James tapped his fingers against Ollie's arm. I will read the book Ren gave you with the meditation bullshit, but I do not want to talk about this, Oliver. Not to you, not to Ren, not to some therapist, but especially not to you. James leaned his head back against the sofa and shut his eyes. "'I will do anything you want. "'I will go to church, find room in my heart for Jesus, "'quit delinquency altogether and become a pastry chef, "'if you just stop asking me about it.'" James opened his eyes again. "'And stop giving me the look like I'm dying. "'And stop telling Ren about my nightmares. "'The last thing the poor man needs is to have to worry about me. "'He needs a therapist.'" James leaned forward and looked at Ollie. "'You think Ren is all right?' As much as you two seem to think I am, I'm not a therapist, James. I do not know Ren that well. Certainly not well enough that I expect he would open up to me if he was not alright. Maybe he's the one you should be talking to if you do not want to open up to me. It is not that I do not want to open up to you, Ollie. It is that I do not want to think about it. I do not want to open up to myself. I do not want to feel it, and I do not want to push it on you either. Or Ren. Ren has gone through enough. Ollie studied James for a moment. He rubbed his fingers over James's facial hair softly. You've changed, James. Have I? Yes. Maybe it's a good sign you're being haunted. James chuckled. Sometimes Ollie spoke what sounded like Maury's words in a very genuine and sweet tone she would never have used. He noticed it now and again, but it threw him off less and less each time. What's so funny, James? Nothing. Despite appearances, I'm happy, Ollie. You are good to me. You deserve it. Now come on. Let's get out and do something for a while. The day's young. Did not know you had the time to write books, Ren. I thought you just transcribed them. James had come into Ren's office without knocking and gently set the book Ollie had given him on Ren's desk. You're a man of many talents. Ren took the book and turned it over in his hands. I dabble. I told you I was not sleeping for a while, and after you'd taken enforcing, it seemed more productive than adding to my collection. Wren looked down at the welts on his arm. Yeah, about that. Are you all right? You and I are different, James. Things do not affect me the way they affect you. I've always admired you for that. There are times when I envy your levels of empathy and humanity. And times I envy your optimism and unwavering dedication. You only ever seem to regret the things we did not manage to do you are not entirely inaccurate in your observation. Wren offered James a cigarette, and James accepted it. Do you still not believe in an afterlife, James? I do not know anymore, Wren. If there is one, I hope it is like you say, reincarnation. If it is based on merit, I am not getting anywhere good. Doubt hell could be much worse than corrections, though. If there is a hell, can you not imagine Maury having a holiday down there? James laughed loudly and suddenly. What the fuck, Wren? Apologies, the thought amused me. I ever tell you I'm glad you're still here? Wren frowned exaggeratedly. No, no, I don't think you have. I'm being serious, asshole. Wren leaned across his desk and sniffed James. James leaned back. Again, Wren, what the fuck? Wren sat back in his chair. I was trying to ascertain if you had resumed your drinking habit. Wren tapped his fingers on his desk for a moment. If we're being sentimental, James. I am still here because you are. James crossed his arms on Wren's desk. This is why people think we are gay, Wren. Wren frowned and scrunched his nose. It was odd seeing him being so theatrical. Ah, is that the only reason? Alright, I cannot stand it. I have to fucking ask... And what's with the full range of facial expressions today? Ren straightened his face. I'm practicing for when your boyfriend comes around to interrogate me about my mental health. Serves you right for meddling with mine. Can I have your opinion on something, Ren? Always, often whether you like it or not. I've been toying with the idea of making it official with Ollie, you know, settling down and all that. James looked down at his hands. I know I would say yes if I suggested it. I know I would be happy just in the long run, do you think? Guess I'm kind of afraid you'll find out who I am, and... James sort of trailed off. He looked up at Wren. He knows who you are. You are James Porter. THE James Porter, head of enforcement, former head of corrections with delinquency for 15 years... Resident, sweet tooth, and smart ass, killed men with his bare hands, loyal, clever, mischievous, all-around charismatic James Porter. If I have managed to learn anything after the incident with Maury, it is that no one will understand you as well as you wish them to, James. No one will see as many of your weaknesses, no one will care as much about your strengths. No one will have the capacity to know you as you know yourself. Oliver accepts you, cares about you deeply, and loves you. "'He wishes to understand you, though not as deeply as you wish to understand yourself, "'but more than anyone else ever has or will, perhaps even myself included. "'The most anyone can care for you is a fraction of what you can care for yourself. "'Do not expect more of of Oliver than that, and accept what he has already offered you.' Ren pulled out another cigarette and fidgeted with it. "'That is something I deeply wish I had understood before Loon and I went our separate ways.' James let the words sink in for a moment. All things considered, Ren, you and I are not doing so bad, are we? As we speak, the first female potential recruit is taking the written test for a possible delinquency internship. Elliot is finalizing clearance to start gathering volunteers to move to the surface, and once approved, delinquency will begin training a special group of enforcers to handle the colony. We're still here, and we're still doing good. James tapped his fingers against Ren's desk. If you need someone to be head of enforcing on the surface, I know a guy. The surface has grown on you? Anywhere that is not here has grown on me. The position will be yours if you want it. You would be a wonderful fit, and it's not too distant for Oliver to still work in corrections. I like that idea. I think Ollie would like it up there, too. Thanks for talking with me, Ren. Of course. What else am I here for, James? One of the many things James gleaned from reading Wren's book, which was a cross between a memoir and a collection of advice for managing stress and depression, was that Wren kept going because he had a plan. James felt closer to Wren having read his writing. He did not know how to say as much, but it gave him more insight into Wren's thought process and explained things James knew in the way Wren viewed them, which was somehow invaluable. James understood that Wren had been offended by his insistence at knowing his backup plans because Wren was an obsessive planner which James was not surprised, but with how cocky Ren could be, could not feel entirely bad for doubting. Ren outlined, beyond meditation and everything else, Ren apparently did to keep some semblance of sanity, sitting down and writing about his feelings, his plans for the future, and misgivings about the past. After James returned Ren's book, Ren gave him a small pocket notebook with no explanation needed. James wrote in his little notebook near daily, every other daily, He had written at first about memories that bothered him, which sucked. He was in a good mood this afternoon, so he mustered his most somewhat decent handwriting and began a new page. Five years from now, settled down with Ollie, living on the surface, heading surface division of enforcing. Ollie heading corrections? He skipped a few lines thoughtfully. Does Ollie want children? Do I want children? If so, mention to Ren policy change for gay adoption. Still not have gotten used to the gay thing. Am I just gay now? Huh. I mean, I guess that's fine. This is stupid. Ren is stupid. Ollie is stupid for telling Ren on me. Ollie's not stupid. He would tell me I was being childish if he read this. Fuck, is that the next step? Ren is going to rat me out and help Ollie slew through the house and read my shit? Hey, Ren. If you're reading this, fuck you. Ollie, if you're reading this, fuck me? Shit. I should say something profound and nice, should I not? If you're reading this, I'm glad you could stomach the first bit to get this far. You're what keeps me going. Little Prince, light of my life, and all that romantic shit. I always want to call you that, Little Prince, but I always think you would think it was stupid. That's how I think of you, though. I love you, but really, stop reading my shit. James turned the page and continued. I always feel profoundly unprofound when I sit down to write shit. I don't have the patience or the poetics that Wren has. I don't have the insight or calmness that all he has either. I not have the malice or utter lack of shame that Mori had either. Not sure what I have. Wren says humanity like he thinks he's not human. He told me this quote once, something about hunting monsters and not becoming them. See? I'm not fucking poetic. I just want this all to be over. I keep hearing about all the good we have done, and I know we did well. All I want is to stop hearing it, stop being reminded of it. I just want to be up on the surface with Ollie and we can sit on our balcony looking out at the ivy on the building across the way that is the same green as its giant eyeballs. And we can watch the sunrise and cuddle and go for long walks on those gorgeous hills and watch the seasons change. And maybe Ren will visit sometimes and cook dinner because fuck knows Ollie and I cannot cook. We were out of milk last week and I caught Ollie eating a cereal with orange juice in it. It was fucked up. Seriously fucked up. So maybe Ren will bring us something edible that does not taste of oranges. I worry sometimes about the age difference between Ollie and I, not because I think he's naive. I know he thinks I think that, but I do not. I worry because I am going to get old and crotchedy and he's still going to be young and cute. Probably a good thing I stopped drinking up back in shape, for obvious reasons too, but... I have to go get some groceries so we do not starve this week. That's all for today. More deep thoughts and opinions on oranges to follow. James felt better after writing, to his surprise, which is why he kept doing it. He shut his notebook and tucked it on top of the living room bookshelf where Ollie could not reach and where it could not be seen from the ground anyhow with the slight lip on the top. He crouched down to Ollie's height and double-checked this fact before heading out to pick up his groceries, as promised to his little notebook. James headed home from the gym, whistling a tune to himself. He had enough time to stop by home, perhaps trim his facial hair a bit, write a short entry in his notebook if he could get to it when Ollie was not paying attention, and then head out with Ollie to Wren's place for dinner. Wren said he had wanted to go over some policies for delinquency, but seeing as they had already discussed the policies, James was aware Wren was just looking for an excuse to have a dinner party, which James realized he was going to have to tell Wren he did not need an excuse to feed Ollie and James, and that maybe on second thought, James would really like Wren to teach him to cook after all, even mushrooms. James was mid-thought and mid-whistle when he walked into the house. Ollie was sitting on the arm of the sofa. He looked at James with tired eyes. You're home early. James started taking his shoes off and hanging his jacket. You forgot your communicator at home. Yeah, I wanted an uninterrupted visit to the gym for once. Why, did I miss something? James turned to face Ollie and finally noticed that Ollie was sitting on the arm of the sofa because Ren was sprawled face down on the sofa with his face buried in the corner. He had either burrowed under the blanket Ollie kept draped over the back of the sofa. It had fallen on him, or else Ollie had put it on him, but in any event, Wren re- blended right in. Ollie was gently petting his head. He did James gestured towards Wren. Wren's response was muffled by the sofa. Not yet, he says, Ollie looked down at Wren. I know you're upset, Wren, but it will be all right. James looked between Wren and Ollie. What happened when Wren failed to mumble anything? Ollie responded. Wren's dad had a heart attack and is in the hospital. He's pretty torn up about it. Wren does not have a dad. James sat on the edge of the sofa by Wren's legs. You do not have a dad, Wren. Ollie scowled. What? He does not. Wren's shoulders expanded as he took a deep breath. My estranged father. Marshall Winston. Wren put a slight emphasis on the first part of Marshall. Mar. Mar was short for Marshall, which explained why Wren always took it personally that Mar did not like him, why he said Mar should be proud of him. Not that obscure. James leaned forward. Fuck, Wren, he's in medical Yes, and he is going to die. Ollie rubbed Wren's shoulder. Hush, you do not know that. I do know that. Ollie, can you excuse us a moment? Ollie nodded. He patted Ren on the shoulder and excused himself from the front room, pulling the bedroom door shut behind himself. Sit up or I'm going to spoon you. Wren did not budge, so James leaned closer to him. Mar is your dad? You seriously never thought it was relevant to tell me that Mar was your dad? It is still not relevant. James realized Wren had only told Ollie to avoid worrying him. Fuck, Ren. what are we going to do? I do not know. You know if Marr does die, Elliot is not going to get the nomination. Elliot still has a chance. Not a great chance, but enough of a chance I do not want to abandon plans. It is just sellers standing in the way of Elliot, right? Nothing else? Just sellers. No one else has support or desire to take chairman. You should go visit Marr. Talk to him. Try to get him to officially endorse Elliot. I am sure most of the board members will be around. James rumped Ren's back. If you were my kid, I would have had a heart attack a long fucking time ago. Just because he is my dad does not mean he likes me, James. He's not liked me since he decided I was weird like Sarah was. I do not see how going will make a difference. You do not need him to like you, Ren. You need him to respect you, and he clearly does. Besides, you know how dying men are. You could probably make him feel bad about ditching you and your mom after Sarah died and give a speech about how he inspired you to follow his footsteps into management but how you ended up finding your niche in delinquency. Maybe leave out the part where you think how he Ran it was a fucking joke. You might be on to something. Ren sat up. Are you willing to take the risk? You and Oliver could leave if you would like. I could fetch you once it blows over. It is no risk. It's going to be all right, Ren. James hugged Ren and held him tight for a moment. I'm sorry Mark could not see how lucky he was you were his son. James rubbed Wren's back. You go wash your face and get yourself together, and we'll go, all right? Wren sniffed and nodded. James let himself into the bedroom quietly. Ollie was sitting on the bed, clearly trying and failing to read a novel. He set it down as soon as James came in and stood. Is he all right? He is just very torn up about it. Him and his dad are estranged, you know. Have not spoken since shortly after his sister died back before we even met. James hugged Ollie. Look, I'm going to need you to do me a favor. I want you to take Ren to medical to go see his dad. Of course, are you not coming? I have to go by the main office first to take care of something. Ren forgot to sign off on something fairly important, but did not mention it to him because he'll beat himself up over it, all right? cover for me. It'll only take me an hour to take care of, and I will come down to medical too. Sure. I'm proud of you, James. You're really coming through for Ren. James kissed Ollie's forehead. I'll see you in a bit. James put his shoes and jacket on and walked away from home for what he knew would be the last time. He walked past the delinquency offices, past the main department of people, and up into the offices for the directors of departments. The guard at the front desk waved to James. Hey, Porter! Crawling your way up from the depths of hell, huh? James laughed as genuinely as he could muster. Hendricks, son of a bitch, how did you get up here? Hendricks made a show of stage whispering. I'm being punished for my sins. It's worse than corrections up here. At least in corrections, things happened. He switched to a normal speaking voice. There's something that brings you up this way? Yeah, I have an update on Marr's status. Elliot could not get a hold of Sellers, so he sent me up. James held his breath. He was banking on Sellers, having not cared enough to watch Mar die. Right, poor Mar. You know where Sellers' office is? No, you mind pointing me the right way? Hendricks pointed left down the hall. Third door. His name's on it. Thanks. James found the right door and knocked. Come in. James let himself in and shut the door behind himself. Sellers looked up from its desk. James Porter, right? Delinquency's more sensible half, even if you did hire that wretched woman. To what do I owe the visit? Without thinking about it any further... James drew his gun and shot Sellers between the eyes. He watched his head snap back and slouch forward. He would never tell Wren this, because it is something James would have made fun of if Wren had said he did it. But James always looked for images in the splatters. Today he saw an eagle, and wished he could remember the fable Wren had told him about the King of the Birds. James dropped his gun on the floor, took three paces further in the room, turned to face the door, and held his hands in the air, waiting.